Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. With inflation on the rise and a supply crisis causing empty shelves in stores around the country, many American families are likely to face a difficult holiday this season. Thankfully, the Biden administration has a plan in place to offer some relief. Oh, no, not for you, not for struggling Americans, for illegal immigrants who violated our laws. Up to a million dollars per family. Seriously. I mean, you didn't think they gave a damn about you, right? Take a closer look at this bizarre story in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. There are very few times when the Biden administration does something that I say they can't be serious, right? Because we have very low expectations for them. We've seen how poor they are at governance. We've seen how weak they are when it comes to the economy, to the rule of law. In fact, they weaponize the DOJ and other aspects of the apparatus of government for their own political ends. So what really are they going to draw the line at? Well, certainly not the southern border. They have a de facto open border status right now. The border's the worst it's ever been. And on top of that, they want to really add insult to injury. This from the Wall Street Journal. The Biden administration is in talks to offer immigrant families that were separated during the Trump administration around $450,000 a person in compensation. The U.S. Department of Justice, Homeland Security, and Health and Human Services are considering payments that could amount to close to a million dollars a family. The total potential payout could be a billion dollars or more. Let's just take a moment here. So families who came to the U.S.-Mexico border, knowing what they were doing was illegal, entering the U.S. illegally, overwhelmingly lying to Border Patrol officers and immigration officials about fleeing violence at home. They were trained to say certain things by the cartels to get around the credible fear standard at our southern border. It's all a big fraud. It's meant to get them to the front of the immigration line to cheat our system. But the Trump administration decided that they were going to try to disincentivize this activity. And so they enforced the law. The law means incarceration. Now, you don't have facilities, nor was there in place any procedure to keep incarcerated families altogether. So then there was a separation when the adults had to be incarcerated and processed from the children. And as a result of all these decisions, all the things that went on, now we're talking about a Biden administration that is looking to pay $450,000 an individual, up to a million dollars a family for this, for people who came into the country illegally. We're not talking about loss of life here. We're not talking about physical abuse. We're talking about people that were separated for a period of time. And now the DOJ wants to pay for psychological damage done, of course, by the Trump administration. The ACLU, which 
is kicking at the load-bearing walls of American civilization in every way that it can. That's what it exists to do. Certainly not civil liberty, certainly not liberty in any context. ACLU hates actual liberty. They're representing the families in one of the lawsuits. They've identified about 5,500 children separated at the border over the course of the Trump administration. That's citing figures provided by the government. So this could be up to a billion dollars. Now, of course, the ACLU likes this whole plan. There's, they put out a statement, uh, the Biden administration is correct to provide relief to the children and families affected by the government's horrific practice of family separation. Their suffering is something that we'll always live with. It is a deep moral stain on our country. We need to make it right. And this includes not simply any monetary support, but a path to remain here. That is what is right and fair. Okay, so what's right and fair is not only do we have to have taxpayers make some of these illegal immigrants possibly millionaires at a time when American families are struggling more and more to buy basic goods and necessities. The shelves are increasingly empty. Inflation means everything is more expensive. Wages are not keeping up with these rises in the cost of living. And we're going to be funding this kind of madness? It's just crazy, right? I mean, here's a way to put it in context. The Biden administration is now looking to write bigger checks to the families of those who were separated for a time. They're not separated forever. It hasn't been, you know, years and years and years where no one's been able to see anybody. They're not held in detention facilities for years. Separated for a period of time because of the decision to enter the country illegally. The Biden administration is going to be paying those individuals more than they pay the families of fallen soldiers who die. That's right, die fighting for this country. In fact, as Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee has pointed out, this plan to pay illegal immigrants will mean that they are paid more than 9-11 families. Watch. 9-11 families, uh, military families where they have a loved one who made that ultimate sacrifice, they're not getting this kind of payout. And Harris, we don't even know what legal authority the president has to be doing this. We would like to know what yeah, a great legal question. authority that he is using to have DHS, HHS, and uh, the Department of Justice go negotiate these prepayments to these individuals that have broken the law at the southern border. It's a good question. Could the Biden administration just decide unilaterally to write checks to, why not give a million dollars to every illegal who comes into the country? You know, a big uh, redistribution of wealth program. I mean, that's kind of what they're talking about anyway. They're just limiting it to those who are separated at the border. But why can't Biden do that for every family that comes? Every illegal who comes to the country, as we know, it'll be about 1.8 million, maybe 2 million for this year. You could write a million dollar check to all of them, right? Why not? Oh, is there, is there any limitation to the Biden administration's authority, really? Is there any limitation to their absurdity, their willingness to make sure U.S. sovereignty is a joke? It doesn't seem like it. This is, situation's only going to get worse. As long as the incentives stay what they are, and this has all been a conscious decision by the Biden team to make it not only likely that illegals will be able to cross and stay in the United States, but that there are benefits that are increasingly attached to this that they will probably be able to stay in the country overwhelmingly, 99% of them will be able to stay in the country forever once they gain initial access. Beyond that, they'll get citizenship. They'll get all of the access to Obamacare and other state uh, and, and federal programs in order to redistribute wealth to folks, right? That the welfare state of America is open to anyone who comes here legally or illegally. That is the Biden administration position.
And so as a result, you have these migrant caravans. Here's another one headed to the U.S.-Mexico border right now. Several thousand migrants are traveling in a large group through southern Mexico toward the U.S. They're headed to Del Rio, Texas, or maybe Yuma, Arizona, according to Border Patrol agents who have reviewed government intelligence reports. The two to 3,000 migrants are part of the Guatemala-Mexico border heading north on foot late last week. Let's be very clear, folks. This is just one caravan. There are other caravans as well. We are looking at unprecedented numbers of illegals coming into the United States across the U.S.-Mexico border, and this is in direct response to Biden administration policy. They are doing this because the Biden administration makes it easy for them to get in the country and stay in the country. And now, on top of all of that, there are some who will be given checks. In fact, if you remember, there are, there are some places that during the COVID pandemic decided to give the families of illegal uh, immigrants, just because it was COVID, large sums of money. So this is what we're, we're seeing now. The federal government thinks that it has a right to redistribute taxpayer dollars to people who have, under federal law, no legal right whatsoever to be in the country. The Biden administration has contempt for the American people. That's what this really is, contempt. Because illegals are better than you are, don't you understand that? That's what Democrats think. Illegal immigrants are better than Americans. And therefore, they deserve this money. They deserve a lot more. They deserve citizenship. They deserve to be able to outvote you. That's the whole point. We'll have more on this with Arizona Senate candidate Blake Masters when we come back. I want to tell you about my digital money. Crypto market's hot right now. It seems like everybody wants to get in on the action. There's so many currencies to choose from. Bitcoin, Ethereum, all these digital tokens out there. It's not easy to get started. That's where my digital money comes in. It's an easy to use self-trading crypto IRA platform with incredible customer service. I mean, they'll actually answer your phone call and help you get started. Your comfort and security is their top priority. Look, the crypto market's heating up. This could be the best time in a long time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. When it comes to your money, do you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not a number? Check them out at mydigitalmoney.com. That's mydigitalmoney.com. And we'll be right back with more. Hold the line. U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency reported earlier this month that border arrests soared to an all-time high in fiscal year 2021, with authorities detaining more than 1.7 million migrants along the Mexican-U.S. border. Think it's bad now? Just wait till they find out that if they play their cards right, hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash payments could be waiting for them on the other side. Who knows? My next guest is looking to unseat Arizona Senator Mark Kelly, Chief Operating Officer of Teal Capital and president of the Teal Foundation, Blake Masters. Blake, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, bud. But first off, Blake, I mean, they're saying now, this reporting just coming out in the last 24 hours, that the U.S. government could pay out as much as a million dollars per migrant family, $450,000 an individual, to those who were separated under the Trump administration's enforcement policies at the border starting around 2018, a few years ago. What do, you, what do you make of this? I mean, for a lot of people, this seems like quite a shock. It's almost the most shocking thing imaginable. Uh, you know, we, we're governed by this ruling class that just hates Americans. They have contempt for people who were born here, right? This idea that you're going to pay 450000 bucks in cash to illegal aliens uh, is is absolutely crazy. There's just no other word for it. It is just crazy. The people I talk to on the ground in Arizona are just apoplectic about this. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. I mean, you're you're running in a border state. 
And what does it mean when you go around and you speak to people about the border situation specifically? I mean, what, what are their chief concerns? What are the things that they want to raise to the national consciousness as, as part of our national political conversation? I mean, just law and order, right? President Trump knew that law and order starts at the southern border. That's something that uh, those of us who live in southern Arizona, we know all too well. Uh, you know, you talk to sheriff's deputies down here because Border Patrol is being handcuffed by the Biden administration. So much of this burden falls on the small county sheriffs and the, and the deputies. And we're just being overwhelmed. Like, it's so unfair. We are just being overwhelmed because this administration refuses to enforce the law. And then when you promise people cash payments, right, when you promise people, hey, come here illegally, we'll put you up in a hotel, you'll get a lawyer. Well, of course, people are going to come. You know, and, and that's why you see this giant caravan heading our way right now. It's, uh, it's disgusting. Why do you think the Democrat elites are so open to, well, at this point, I think they're, they're just clearly in favor of illegal immigration. What do you think they're, yep. they're seeing as the benefit of this uh, politically, culturally, and otherwise? I mean, why, why have they effectively turned the Democrat Party into one that favors open borders, particularly for migrants from the third world. Yeah, I think part of it is about undercutting American born workers. I think part of it is about, you know, cheap labor and and sort of giving rich Democrat, you know, corporate interests uh, handouts in the form of cheap labor. But I, I think the unsayable thing, or I'm just going to, you know, say it is I think it's about demographic change. You know, I think the left wants to consolidate and shore up power. And I think they've realized this is a long term electoral strategy. If you can have open borders and kind of flood the zone, get as many people to come here as possible, promise them free stuff, and then eventually grant them amnesty, you know, the Democrat bet is that uh, those people are going to break Democrat and they'll be able to, to keep winning elections. Um, I, I think it is that simple. Is there expectation, I mean, I know you're running yourself, that when it does come time for the American people to cast their vote in the upcoming midterm election, that this Democrat policy at the border and really the Biden administration's obvious failures and perhaps even lack of intent to secure the border will have real electoral consequences? Or do you think the media is able to downplay and even cover up what's going on to the extent that we might not have the accountability? I mean, how do you see it playing out? Well, certainly the media will try, right? And the, the Democratic Party in Arizona, their official position is there is no border crisis, right? So they're just lying, they're gaslighting. But one of the gifts that President Trump gave us was he uh, delegitimated the mainstream media. So most people know right now that the CNN line is, is basically just fake. Most people know there is a crisis. I think we're going to see a huge electoral shift to punish the people in charge in 2022. Doesn't mean be complacent. You know, you, you can't just think, oh, there's going to be a red wave. We have to work to make it happen. Uh, but I do. I think with the right amount of prep work, we will crush the Democrats in 2022 because what they're allowing to happen at our southern border, it is criminal. Blake, switching gears here for a moment, you're running on something that has, it seems, become almost a radical idea in this country that Americans should be able to raise a family on one single income. Here's what you've had to say about it. In America, you ought to be able to raise a family on one single income. We used to be able to do this. Something happened, globalization, decades of inflation, can't really do it anymore. I think that's a huge problem. So why don't politicians talk about it? And the left, they attack me. They want to say, oh, Blake, that's, that's sexist. But guys, there's nothing sexist about prosperity. 
there's nothing sexist about acknowledging that if, if people can, if people have the choice, most families would prefer to have one breadwinner and have one parent stay at home with the kids. I mean, I, I, I want to ask you about why you view that as, as preferable. I mean, at some level, it's self-evident, but I want you to, to give, give us some detail on that. But first, you mentioned it in that ad. How did we get to this point? Because a, a lot of us, uh, particularly from our, I think, our grandparents' generation, we all know that one income and there was prosperity. And, and you know, in, in that instance, obviously, it was much more common, but not the only situation for uh, the wife to stay home and, and deal with and, and raise the family and the children, et cetera. What happened in this country? I mean, economically, how did we get to this point? Yeah, well, I think it's, uh, you got to remember, right? Median wages had stagnated in this country since 1972. From 1972 all the way until the Trump administration, median wages were flat. And so household income went up because you had to throw another worker into the, into the, the workforce. Um, you know, so household income goes up, but you had to do that because health care costs, education costs, housing costs, these costs kept rising while incomes stayed flat. And uh, you could blame that on globalization, you know, you could blame that on, uh, on inflation. But that's what happens. Stuff just gets more and more expensive every year. But because of our economic policies, right, shipping manufacturing capacity off to China, um, becoming dependent on these incredibly tenuous foreign supply chains, we stopped making things in America. And so the jobs went away, incomes stay flat, and it just doesn't work out for people. You have to run harder and harder to stay in the same place. That's not right. Blake, what would you do? I mean, you're a guy who understands finance, understands how to uh, create entrepreneurship and, and prosperity through business. What could be done here to get us back to the place? I mean, you know, you're, you're running for government office. What policies would make a difference so that we could have many more Americans, millions more American families where one income is enough? Well, I think first you, you know, reduce immigration. Certainly we should have zero illegal immigration. I think we should probably take a lot fewer legal immigrants every year as well. Right now we take a million legal immigrants on various kinds of visas every year. So American jobs should be for Americans. That's step one. Step two is you can just stop offshoring, right? Incentivize onshoring and reindustrialization, making things in America. You can do that through the tax code. You can do it by slapping tariffs on cheap Chinese goods. Uh, and then we have to attack the costs, right? The costs of healthcare, the costs of education, the costs of housing, these things just keep going up and up every year. But these industries are dominated by increasingly just cartelization and monopolies and rackets. So I think if we do the right things there, there's no iron law that says the stuff has to get more expensive every year. So it's uh, increase wages by, by making stuff in the United States and then decrease costs to the things we need to live on. Blake, thanks for being here with us. Appreciate it. Good to see you. Great to see you, Buck. Thank you. This coming Monday marks the start of the trial of 18-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse, the teen accused of shooting three people during a chaotic protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin last year during the BLM riots. Coming up, we'll speak to a spokesman for Kyle Rittenhouse, David Hancock, about what to expect from the coming trial. Let's talk about securing your data online for a moment. Big tech is taking advantage of us. They're mining our data, they're selling it, and guess what? We don't benefit, benefit from it whatsoever. And look, if you think your emails, texts, and messages are private and safe, guess what? They're not. This is where Secure comes in. Secure's email platform is 100% private. It's based in Switzerland, the company with the best privacy laws in the world. Everything about your online actions, your email, your text, when you use Secure, is kept private. This is what makes Secure different from other email and messaging providers out there. 
Look, there's a reason Secure built their company the way they did. We need to take a stand right now and take back our privacy from the big tech monopolies. With my discount code BUCK, Secure will only cost you $750 a month for full access. That's nothing. Come on, $750 a month. Go to secure.com today, create your secure email address and account, and use promo code BUCK for 25% off for a whole year. That's secure.com, S-E-K-U-R.com, promo code BUCK. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. That was the moment then 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse shot three people during a chaotic Wisconsin protest against police brutality in August of 2020. Rittenhouse, now 18, goes on trial Monday for the Kenosha shootings, which left two dead. He faces six counts, including homicide charges, and could face life in prison if convicted of the most serious charge. Many conservatives have flocked to support Rittenhouse, while some liberal activists have dubbed him a domestic terrorist. So what can we expect next week? Let's speak to a spokesperson for Rittenhouse, David Hancock. David, thank you for being with us. Absolutely, thank you. Can you just, for everyone watching, give us uh, the quick background on this? Uh, people probably remember the case, but it's been a little while. Just give us a, a short version of why Kyle was in Kenosha and, and what some of the key facts are, uh, of that night were. Sure. So. So Kyle went to Kenosha. He was working in Kenosha the uh, night before. He went to a local high school during the day, and he scrubbed off a, bu a bunch of graffiti off of the uh, side of the high school. He was asked by a local business owner to come back and to help protect his business, and so Kyle did that. And so he showed up with a medical kit, and he brought his rifle to protect himself in the event he needed to. All right. And so then on the night in question, when the assaults happened, how did how did Kyle find himself in the midst of this mob? And, and what were some of the key elements that led to the actual use of lethal force, as, as Kyle's claimed, in self-defense? Sure. So Kyle was walking around asking everybody if they needed help from any kind of like medical incident. He did that about 100 different times. So then he returned to the business. He tried to get back, but the uh, police had blocked off his route back. So, 
So he returned to a local gas station and then he got a phone call. And that person told him that there was a car fire at the second location. So he ran and he picked up a fire extinguisher and he ran all the way down the road to go put out that fire. As soon as he got to that property, he was ambushed by two individuals and then he ran away. He fled. And then shortly after he fled, one of those individuals actually fired a gun into the air. And so Kyle turned around and he had a mass madman reaching for his weapon. And so Kyle defended himself by pulling the trigger. Now, there were, was that the only instance of self-defense Kyle's claiming or was there another instance as well? And that was the first incident. The second one was after that happened, he ran all the way down the street because he wanted to turn himself into the police. On the way to the police, he was ambushed by a angry mob who hit him in the back of the head with something hard, and that caused him to fall over. Two more individuals then assaulted him on the ground while he's on his back. So he shot one who then went off into the distance, and then the uh, second actually pointed a loaded handgun at Kyle's head. And so Kyle pulled the trigger and he hit him in the arm, and the threat was gone, so then Kyle actually got up and then he walked and uh, like turned himself in. So uh, a Wisconsin judge has laid out uh, the final ground rules uh, this past week on what evidence will be allowed in the trial. Is there anything we should be aware of from that perspective? Can you break it down for us so we have a sense of what we're going to see? The FBI video that the prosecution is talking about right now, they received this video at the beginning of June. They failed to disclose the possession of this video until about three weeks ago. And they have claimed that this video shows that Kyle provoked the first person who was shot. I'm arguing that that is not true. I'm not a lawyer in this. I'm not a lawyer, but I'm telling you, I don't believe that that video shows that he provoked anybody. As a matter of fact, what it shows is he was ambushed and he fled, period. I think that video is going to be critical to this case. Kyle's attorneys are claiming self-defense here. They say he went to Kenosha not to hurt anyone, but to protect businesses from damage and looting. And what can you tell us about Kyle's motivations for for being there? And you mentioned some of his activities apart from the shootings. What was he doing? He's a civic-minded kid. He was a police explorer for three years. He was a fire cadet and uh, he wanted to help his community. So he showed up not to protect that property by lethal force, but he showed up because he wanted to help people. He brought with him his med kit, his uh, all sorts of like medical supplies. He provided medical aid to, I think, 12 different protesters throughout the evening. Um, He wanted to give back to his community and he wanted to help. And this is the way that he saw it. And he was ambushed for it. I want to ask you about that. Why, why was Kyle ambushed? At, not once, but twice. Perhaps the second time might have been related to the first. But in that first instance, why did he, was, was, what was the reason for him being attacked, as he claims, by individuals in Kenosha? Because he was carrying a fire extinguisher. He got a call about that car fire. He grabbed a fire extinguisher and he ran down the road. And so when he got to the other property, the people lighting the fires They saw him and one specific person had a pistol in his hand. And so Kyle dropped the fire extinguisher and ran. 
but they were angry because he was there to put out one of their fires. Given that there's video of the incident that seems to show, certainly in the, in the second case, I've seen the video many times, somebody mm -hmm. attacking Kyle while he is on the ground. He is clearly armed at the time as well. So the individual knows the escalation that could occur in this. And one of the attackers does have a handgun. These are just facts that are on video that anybody can see. Is Kyle's defense team surprised that this, uh, you know, at some level wasn't even d dismissed as, as an instance of self-defense? I mean, the fact that charges have been brought here in and of itself feels like a decision is made that is contradicted by some of the video. A hundred percent. I mean, this case, they're trying to make an example out of Kyle in this particular case. There's been no clearer case of self-defense when you have the entire evening, three hours plus, that were caught on multiple angles of video, period. Um, I mean, this is a, a political prosecution to the nth degree. And why do you think that is? Why are they trying to make an example of Kyle? What are the, the, are the prosecutors and the, and the media that have been pushing this, what are they trying to tell people? I don't know. It's not reasonable to me. I don't think it was reasonable from the very beginning with all of the media organizations coming out and saying that he was a white supremacist, saying he was in a militia. None of that's true. He has never been in a militia. He's never been associated with any extremist groups whatsoever. And that was proven by Facebook themselves when they came out and said that he had no links to any kind of white supremacy or any kind of like militia activity. So, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I would suggest that they don't want people to stand up for their own community to some extent. And just before we let you go, how's Kyle's mental state leading into this trial? How's he feeling? He's feeling good. He's ready to get this done. He's ready to get into court. He's ready to get his side out. He has a very, very strong, very strong case and an amazing attorney back there helping him out. So um, he has a strong family. He's been staying strong through all of this and he's ready to, to take this to trial. Thank you for being with us. Appreciate it. Absolutely, Buck. Thank you. Democrats are getting nervous in the Commonwealth of Virginia as numerous polls show Republican gubernatorial candidate Glenn Youngkin surging over his Democratic opponent, Terry McAuliffe. Could a Youngkin victory portend a coming red wave next year? Florida congressional candidate Corey Mills joins us after the break to give his insight. I want to tell you one more time about my friends at My Digital Money. Everybody wants to invest in crypto these days, it feels like, right? Bitcoin, Ethereum, so many digital tokens, and they can have huge upside. Look. There's one of many cryptocurrencies you can invest in on any given day, but how do you know where to get started? That's where my digital money comes in. It's an easy to use self-trading crypto IRA platform. They offer you an unparalleled military grade security for your coins. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not a number. Check them out at mydigitalmoney.com. That's mydigitalmoney.com. Florida congressional candidate Corey Mills is coming up after the break. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, it's time to commit. 
2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Democrats are haunted by the possibility of a Glenn Youngkin victory in the Virginia gubernatorial race. The former businessman and political novice is running neck and neck, in fact, in a lot of polls ahead with former Governor Terry McAuliffe in the blue state. Democrats fear a Youngkin victory could signal a potential red wave in 2022, pointing to a viable path for GOP in multiple swing states. Florida congressional candidate Corey Mills joins now to discuss the possibilities, not just in Virginia, but across the country of what could be a political moment of reckoning here. Corey, thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having me, Buck. So let's just start with this. I mean, McAuliffe is a longtime DC, DNC political insider. I mean, this guy is a Clintonista, he's about as tied in as you can really get. And Youngkin, all six foot seven of them, given, uh, given McAuliffe quite a run for his money so far. Uh, recent polling shows Youngkin receives 53% to McAuliffe's 45%, a new Fox News survey of Virginia likely voters. Youngkin's eight point advantage is outside the polls margin of sampling error. A huge shift from just a couple of weeks ago when McAuliffe was ahead by five, 51 to 46. What's going on here, man? Why are we seeing this happen in Virginia? Well, I'll tell you, I think that it's a multitude of, of reasoning. I think the first thing is, is that we're starting to see a dramatic shift in voters recognizing the failures of the Democrat socialist movement. They're starting to lose the independent votes. They're starting to lose the blue dog Democrat moderates. And they're starting to see where there's infighting within their party, as we see with the current infrastructure bill, where it's literally blue dog Democrats versus socialism. And I think that that's really working in our advantage. But I think also people are just sick and tired of the standard politicians who continue to go forward, the Bushes, the Clintons, the you know Obama 2.0 that we're seeing right now. And I think they're looking for a change. And I think that this really signals, as you talked about, a a huge red wave across the country. I think that you know, once Virginia goes red, you're gonna see other states like Florida continue to turn even more red. You're gonna start seeing Texas take off. And I think that it's just a, a acknowledgement that people are seeing the failed democratic socialist strategies. And, I, and I'm, I, I wanna preface it with this. This is not a Republican win. This is not because Republicans have come up with some grand strategy or that we have understood the populist and conservative movement better than others. What we're doing is we're actually seeing the benefits of failed Democrat strategies. So I still think that there's a lot of work to do on the Republican Party to unite us and to continue to put forward the America First agenda. Corey, the uh, race in Virginia has been very closely tied in a lot of people's minds to the fight back against critical race theory teaching in schools and parents who are showing up the school board meetings, as we know, this gotten attention all the way up to the top of the Biden administration. You had the Attorney General Merrick Garland put out a letter that seemed a little bit like a, a threat to parents who show up at school board meetings as if they need to hear from the Attorney General that federal law enforcement is looking at them as possible domestic terrorists. I'm glad there was some at least verbal accountability for that up on Capitol Hill earlier this week. But what do you think is the central issue here? for Virginia voters, I mean, is it just this 
fight back against CRT, or, or is it more broadly the Democrat policies that are failing, not just in Virginia, but really across the nation, as we see in the first year of the Biden administration? Well, I think it's a failure across the board. I think that we're looking at the open border policies in the southern border, where we have 1.7 million illegals in the country. I think that we're looking at the loss of medical choice, where you're having forced vaccinations. I think you're looking at you know the 1619 project and critical race theory, which is to indoctrinate our children. Uh, we're seeing the forced vaccinations are our military, which is not building a cohesive unit, which weakens us militarily. You know, we're facing national security, humanitarian health crisis across the country as a result of failed administration. We also saw what happened in the failed withdrawal in Afghanistan. You know, myself as well as for three others went over and conducted the very first successful overland rescue of Americans since the fall of, of, of Afghanistan with, with regards to Maryam and her three children. So you're looking at failure on the global stage. You're looking at failure in domestic and foreign policy. And I think that Americans have had enough. Look, Florida's in the headlines, again, only insofar as some are making the point that it's not in the headlines for the mainstream media, right? I mean, you got conservative media pointing to the fact that you've got the lowest case rate for COVID in the nation right now. After the summertime, we were all being told that in your home state, Corey, it was all Ron DeSantis's fault, right? Every COVID case, it's like Ron was walking around with a vial of COVID and just splashing it in people's faces. We know they're terrified of the possibility, not just of him running in the next election, but just as a political figure and what Florida means for the country. But I mean, how, how is it that we're supposed to think that we can take anybody seriously in the media who isn't now covering the fact that you guys have had COVID cases go off a cliff in, in a good sense here? I mean, the, the cases are way down. I think over 90 percent is what I've seen recently, at least in schools. Yeah, I mean, look at Florida. Florida has continued to be America. It's been continued to be an open economy. It's continued to be. Uh, you know, pro-America, pro-freedom, you know, freedom, pro-medical choice. Um, it's continuing to try and rescue America today with the supply chain breakdowns, where luckily Governor DeSantis has spent billions since he's come into governorship to, uh, you know, improve our ports, Port of Tampa, looking at Canaveral, looking at all the other locations where now we can try and help out with the, the offshore mooring there in California. I mean, again, it's like you said, Buck, I mean, mainstream media doesn't want to cover it. Before, it was all this you know, rhetoric about death Santis and the increase in COVID outbursts. But they're not also saying that the fact that when we were actually seeing those those large increases was the same time that these secret planes and buses and stuff of, of illegal aliens who were not vaccinated, who were not even tested, were being shipped into red states. So again, if everyone wants to see true America, Florida is America. Come on, vote in America. Keep your politics in New York. Corey, thanks for being with us, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Buck. One school district in Massachusetts is ditching Halloween, claiming some students who don't have the resources to dress up feel left out. We'll discuss why fun is being outlawed coming up in Quick Hits, but first I want to talk to you about protecting yourself from online criminals. Did you know the Social Security Administration's computer servers are 45 years old? Maybe that's how cyber criminals have hacked into systems like that before, where a lot of information about you is stored. Look, your biggest risk online is that someone takes ownership of your home. That can actually happen. It's called home title theft. Cyber criminals hack into vulnerable government bank or mortgage company servers where copies of your home's title is stored. He then forges your signature stating you sold your home to him, then he borrows on your home and leaves you in debt. You won't know until collection notices show up. Protect your most viable asset. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and use promo code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com, promo code RADIO. 
HomeTitleLock.com, promo code radio. Tonight's quick hits coming up next. Stay right there. A man is dragged out of church for not wearing a mask, and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is standing his ground against vaccine mandates. It is time for quick hits. What is one of the most egregious areas of overreach that we saw during the entire pandemic? Well, of course, it was the clear violation of the First Amendment, uh, the ability to actually practice one's religion, because the government decided in the most arbitrary fashion, you could go to a big box store, you could go you know, buy a lawnmower at, uh, at Lowe's or at uh, Home Depot or whatever, but you couldn't go to church. No, that was too dangerous. Too dangerous, they said. No church allowed, no synagogue allowed. Oh, interesting. Um, and so many in the organized uh, religious circles in this country went along with this, unfortunately. I mean, priests should have been outraged, but as we know, the Catholic Church, and I speak as a Catholic, has been infiltrated by social justice lunatics all over the place, so not surprising they'd go along with the Fauciite madness because they're leftists in Roman collars. But here is a priest, speaking of which, telling a man, a praying man, to leave the church because he is not wearing a mask, and then the congregation piles in and throws him out and manhandles him. Yeah, here you go. You are in trespass. You need to leave this church right now. There's something to the security of others. I'm not a trespass of the church. Keep your head off me. I'm not a trespass You are trespassing. Apparently because he's not wearing a mask. Yeah. You know, the, the psychopaths in this are not the guy walking up there yelling at the priest. Usually that would be the guy who's crazy. The crazy people are the ones who are manhandling a guy because he's not wearing a mask in a large open space in the era of plenty of vaccinations out there for anybody who wants one, plenty of natural immunity already piled up. What has become of us? Oh, and masks don't work. That's the other part of this, too. That's really, and it doesn't do anything. So this is all just. It really actually makes sense because leftists now, they don't really take real religion seriously, but the mask religion they take very seriously. Ron DeSantis, on the upside here, standing his ground against, uh, against vaccine mandates in Florida, America's best governor these days, got to say it, I think it's quite clear, is making it obvious, making it very clear for everybody, there will be no mask mandate in, I'm sorry, vax mandate in Florida. We've gone from 15 days to slow the spread to three jabs to keep your job somehow. Are you kidding me? They said lockdowns would stop COVID. They lied. They said forced masking would end the pandemic in 2020. That was a lie. Biden said it shouldn't be mandated, that it's something that individuals have to make choices about. And then it just seems like it's just gone in this coercive direction. In Florida, there will be no mandate. Fantastic. Doing a great job, as he tends to do. Governor Ron DeSantis taking action, making sure that there will be no vaccine or mask mandates in his state. 
Some other states are following suit. There are even some very red states that could follow suit, but they don't, maybe because the governor is some kind of a corporatist crony, but conversation for another time about uh, South Dakota. Massachusetts school district ditches Halloween to be more inclusive. Over the past several years, um, the Massachusetts public school system has worked to de-emphasize Halloween and shift our focus toward community building through fall celebrations. This is in like with our mission, values, vision, and district priorities. So uh, Halloween is uh, somehow not inclusive enough. I mean, we're not allowed to have any shared holidays. You see, the only shared anything we're allowed to have anymore is the rejection of American past and tradition and the replacement of it with the religion of diversity and inclusion and multiculturalism. Um, that's, the, that's the only thing that you are absolutely allowed to have as far as the left is concerned, uh, or, or some kind of a celebration of America's awfulness in the past. That, that is fine for them, but anything in general that's just Americans coming together, and especially if it has any kind of a historical, traditional uh, past, not, not allowed. Adam Kinzinger. Oh, what a shame. He's not going to seek re-election. GOP rep. Here he goes. I was spurred to run by my conviction of our role in the world. Somehow I won, and I'll never forget that campaign. I also remember during that campaign saying that if I ever thought it was time to move on from Congress, I would. And that time is now. But let me be clear. My passion for this country has only grown. My desire to make a difference is bigger than it's ever been. My disappointment in the leaders that don't lead is huge. We've allowed leaders to reach power selling the false premise that strength comes from degrading others and dehumanizing those that look, act, or think differently than we do. As a country, we've fallen for those lies and now we face a poisoned country filled with outrage blinding our ability to achieve real strength. We must embrace this American foundation as we reclaim our country from the dividers, the corrupt, and the cynical. I'm sorry you'd watch so much of that, actually. That was, that was rough, because uh, what a clown. I'm sure he's going to have a gig on MSNBC where his job is to trash Republicans as a former Republican, because that's really helping America. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high.